You're listening to Fanthatracks. Flip through the galaxy of literature. Welcome to Cannon Park. Hi, Don Don. We are here for Star Wars. Megan Krause. get started, I'm going to need help from all of you, alright? When I give the high sign like this, I need the best whoopee roar. <laughs> Quick test, ready? Ready? When that happens, about halfway through the panel, that will be a signal for the panelists. They'll know what to do, right? Yeah. All right, cool. Excellent. Beautiful. So, with that, we're going to start with our latest release, Crimson Flock. You know, I do want to say it is a bit of a, of a renaissance for uh, Kira. So for both Kate, you and Charles, what makes this character so appealing? For me, a lot of what makes Kira appealing is that she is uh, wildly different from all of the other Star Wars characters I've got to write. Um, and it was fun to sort of write the other side. Um, usually I write the people who make good decisions and do nice things for their friend. Um, and this was not one of those cases. I mean, I, I think it's exactly that. The, the idea that you have a character who is, is trying to get ahead in this universe, um, not because they're evil, but because they, they are like very aware of how unfair and unbalanced the Star Wars galaxy is, uh, was, was really, really interesting to write. And so Kira's kind of trying to do the right thing in the Crimson Rain trilogy, but do, going about it in incredibly wrong ways. Uh, and, and also, I felt like of all of the characters that we had seen introduced in the films and so on, she seemed like somebody who had so many more stories to tell. And I'm very happy I got to tell some, and, and Kate as well. It was great. Woo. Kate, can you tell everyone what Crimson Climb is about? So, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I do know what the book's about. I don't know if you guys can hear us. So, Crimson Climb is basically Kira from the moment she and Han are separated at the spaceport until about 10 seconds before she meets Darth Maul for the first time. Slight, slight pressure. Um, and it follows the consequences of um, her trusting Han and what happens after she decides pretty much to never trust anyone ever again. And. Oh. Who was who was more fun to write, Kira or Dryden? Definitely Dryden Boss. <laughs> he has a lot of charisma, but he's also like super evil, and it turns out that's a great mix. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Uh, you've also written Ahsoka, you've written Padme, now Kira, right? <laughs> Which one do you most relate to, and and why? Um, it's probably still Padme. Um. <laughs> 
the Phantom Menace came out on my 15th birthday, and I was like, George, what a wonderful birthday present. This character you have given me personally, I'm sure was the intention. Um, and so she's been like an influence on me for so much of my like formative years, I suppose, that she's the one I kind of relate to the most still. We're gonna we're gonna switch over to the to the person to my right here. Um, yeah, you know what? I probably do. That's better, right? You guys can hear me now. Yeah. So, John, yes, welcome, welcome back to a galaxy far, far away. Hey, how does it feel to be back? Uh, it feels great, and particularly with this uh, with this project. Nice segue. What is this project? Without, giving, right. without giving too much away. Right. Um, 25 years uh, from pretty much the, when this book is going to be released in April of uh, April 9th of next year. Uh, 25 years ago, we had the Phantom Menace come out. Uh, Qui Gon says, "Be mindful of the living force by young Padawan learner." Uh, that is given texture in the novelization by Terry Brooks, who says, "Okay, there is the living force, which is everybody who's around us now and and the people that are are, are about." And then there's the cosmic for unifying force, which is everything here. They get the big wild stuff that the Jedi Council usually cares about. Uh, I was thrilled when I heard that this existed because I said, you know, there's got to be this schism going on uh, between the Jedi. Uh, we kind of see it in uh, Empire Strikes Back where uh, uh, Yoda and Obi-Wan are saying, hey, Luke, stay here, finish your training. But if Luke doesn't go save his friends, he doesn't find out who his father is, he doesn't lose his hand, he doesn't see his glove in the end, he falls to the dark side. So, in fact, the Force wanted him to go. And so I, I have Qui-Gon paying a call on the Jedi Council at the opening of this novel. And uh, he says, and I'm not going to do the voice, uh, but he says, he says, you people sit around in this room, or holographically in this room, you don't go out and deal with the people. You don't go out. When was the last time you went out and told somebody not to use death sticks? When was the last time you did anything except focus on things far away? How much stuff that's around right now might you be missing, Palpatine? Uh, because you are focusing on the cosmic. You're focusing on the big things. And he said, why don't you guys... Uh, you know, try to try to think about something and get out, touch grass, get out of this place. <laughs> and that leads us to our book, which is Jedi Road Trip. It is this is this is Jedi Spring Break. It's Rum Springer with the Jedi, where uh, it, you know the other thing that's going on right now is you guys have the High Republic going on. This is well past the end of that. I mean, we are now in a period where the Jedi are having to cope with the fact that the Republic is getting increasingly more corrupt. And yet a lot of these Jedi on this council are 200, 300 years old. They remember the good times. And so there's a lot of uh, wistful nostalgia going on here. And you know, what's going on? We have uh, Obi-Wan, we have uh, Qui-Gon, uh, and uh, we have a big poster too. And so we'll make sure you get to see that. <laughs> now, because of, of the amount of people <laughs> that are on this council, uh, this is the first time we've heard them. Or, or many of them. What was that like? What was that process like? Was that challenging? How did, how did you get into the heads of, of all of these? All 12 of these uh, characters have uh, have significant point of view sections in this book. It's not an anthology. Uh, there's a through line. There's a lot going on. Uh, but I, I, I buddy him up. I, we have, uh, we, you know, we, we, uh, a lot of this book takes place on a single planet. 
where uh, they're going on journeys together. And so, you know, I found that I had just you know, characters that were together, very, uh, I, I found humor in them. Uh, Sassy Tien and, uh, and Flo Koon together are very funny. Uh, I, 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 the uh, Kiati Mundi and Yarel Poof. Uh, one of uh, one of uh, one of the Lucasfilm readers uh, said it was the funniest thing he'd seen <laughs> pretty much ever uh, in Star Wars, and and so it's uh, you know, I I really enjoy doing it, and you know to actually have it you know, merge together and come together in what I think is still an important story in the chronology uh, and the continuity, and 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 again uh, answer the question for uh, the you know the Qui Gon poses. What should they be focusing on? What are they missing? I don't think we cover this. When exactly does this take place? It takes place a year before Phantom Menace, so uh, we have quite a lot of uh, quite a lot of stuff going on here, and uh, comes out uh, April 9th. So in other words, just in time for the 25th anniversary. You got it. Of the Phantom Menace thing. You got it. Right on. All right, we're going to jump around to a, a couple other things um, because it is uh, the most wonderful time of the year. Uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about. Tales from the Dead Star. Uh, so, as hopefully a bunch of you know, uh, the, uh, the Master of Frights himself, Captain Scott, is back once more for another anthology of, uh, of creepy tales. This is very EC Comics-like. Um, this one revolves around the Death Star, or the Death Stars, I should say. Um, I'll give you a couple sneak peeks without any context. As you can see, there are indeed monsters here. Um, monsters on the Death Star, indeed. Um, there are also zombies here, because why not? <laughs> why shouldn't there be zombies on the Death Star? Um, we also have, this is the next one is my favorite story, the, the Governor Tarkin story is really pretty incredible. This one's a little bit more serious than, than some of the others, but um, really the, just the perfect uh, Halloween read for, uh, for, for Next week, week after. So, next, we come to the high point. Before we dig in, uh, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you to all of you for reading this and, and supporting this. We knew this was a, a, a new initiative. Um, we are thrilled with the response. We hope you guys continue to enjoy it and dig it. Uh, we have a lot of surprises left in store. Um, couple things to note about High Republic. I would keep my eye on StarWars.com over the next couple weeks if I were you. There's going to be some stuff that's popping up there that I think will be uh, pretty key to, uh, to what we're doing. Um, but where are we? Right now, we have, uh, we're leading into phase three, right? Starlight fell, uh, where we have tales of light and life, um, we have shadows of starlight, and that's all within that missing year, right? So, you okay? Um, so, Starlight has fallen. A year has passed when we start Phase 3. Um, before we dig into Phase 3, Claudia, your story in Tales of Light and Life deals with Happy, Leox, Geode. How are they processing the fall of Starlight? Well, I mean, obviously this is an enormous, enormous shock to the system, but the, I guess the thing about this story was 
you see the broader canvas of what this has done to the galaxy, what this has done to the station, what this has done to the Jedi. But something like that is felt very individually and personally as well. So touching base with those characters was a way to get into like how it would actually feel if you had barely escaped from this or you had seen this happen. Um, you know, Geo can handle a lot. He's he's very steady. Um, and but for me, actually, the most interesting person to dig into was Affy because. Uh, not to spoil the story for anybody who hasn't read it, but one of the exact things that Effie thought she had to get the farthest away from turns out to be exactly the thing she needs to go back to. I was just talking to John over here. No worries. Um, what can fans expect, and Charles, you're going to get this next, so be ready. All right. What can fans expect from the start of Phase 3? <laughs> oh, yeah, that limits it a lot. Um, there are many different forms of reckoning happening. And we will not only see, again, not only just how the galaxy at large has reacted, but what that means to our characters like Avar, Elzar, Bell. It's been transformative. And I think you're gonna really enjoy seeing where everybody goes, except him. <laughs> Charles, same question. So, I think one of the things that you guys all responded to in the High Republic was the idea that the Jedi were being—they—they they were, they were being very confident. They were being very powerful. They were being very sort of certain of themselves in terms of what they were and what their role was and how how what they were doing was bringing light to the galaxy. They, phase one, like, sort of kicked, tried to kick that over as over and over and over again, as the Nile rose to power, as all these things happened. And and the Jedi essentially lost phase one. I don't think it's, it's arguable. And so now they're in this position, they have not been in a really, really long time, where they have to say, okay, it was easy before, and now it's hard. Who are we? And you will start to see them showing themselves, showing each other, showing the galaxy exactly what it means for Jedi to exist. And that, I think, is what we all always want out of the Star Wars Jedi stories. And I've read a lot of, you know, wave one of phase three, and it is, it is that beat over and over and over again. Here is what the Jedi are. Is there a particular character we should be keeping an eye on? On, on the light side and the dark side. I mean, well, you always have to you always have to keep your eye on Mark and Roe. Uh, it is it, if you don't, terrible things happen as we have seen over and over again. Um, his story uh, has always been very central to to all, and and sort of the Roe family story has always been very central to the High Republic. But I think it becomes even more so. Phase three uh, on the light side. I mean, I don't know. I'm just partial. To, they're all everybody's important. Everybody's story is important. I'm very partial to Porter Angle personally. Um, I think he's he's been set up with a really cool arc that we'll see being woven through a lot of the phase stories, phase phase three stories. That's really cool. Awesome. So there there is a lot of characters, uh, and and thankfully, Megan <laughs> and Amy can help with some of them. So Megan, you and Amy. Uh, wrote this character encyclopedia. How did you go about digging into this? Thank you. So uh, 
Um, Amy was a great co-author. Um, we split, it's 250 characters total. Um, when I started reading this as a fan, I was thought, there are so many, I need a list. And then I was hired to make that list. So, so um, how we went about doing this, so a lot of research, a lot of reading, um, both material that had been published, and we got a look at some behind the scenes material. Um, we pretty smoothly split up which, who would write which character. There was really no argument, no cases of overlap. Um, she wanted what she wanted. I wanted the path of the open hands because they're my problematic faves. <laughs> and um, she, was, she was excellent to work with. So the one thing I will also say about this is it does go a little bit into the start of phase three. So. Uh, if you have not read the early novels, you might not want to dig into this uh, you, you, so deeply, right? Stick to some of the uh, the phase two stuff, perhaps, before digging into all of the phase three. Um, Amy, I'm gonna, uh, Megan, I'm gonna go through a couple of these photos. I'll pass the, the mic back to you, but the really the questions are, you know, for you, when you were digging into this, you know, was there a, a character that surprised you? Was there something that you just said, well, how, how in the world am I gonna wrap my head around this for, for an entry? Um, talk to us a little bit about process and, and how you narrowed it down for, for this book for DK. Oh yeah, so excellent Shadow Supporter. Um, this Porter, I think, is a great example of a High Republic Jedi because this is the golden age of the Jedi. This is a place where Porter is an excellent swordsman, but he is also an excellent cook. So you get to see <laughs> Jedi living their normal lives. Um, in terms of doing this in a, in a craft sense, um, we I tried to focus on what are these characters doing when, and who have they relationships to? So what other characters are important in their lives? Barash is, of course, very important to Portal, to Porter, excuse me. Um, so, and then it was, what would make this useful to fans? So this book is meant as a resource. This book is meant to entertain. Um, it's good for all ages. It does have phase three, a little bit of phase three information, so. But, um, so it was what would make this a good resource for fans. I thought a little bit about if you are, if you're writing fan fiction, if you're running a tabletop game, or if you're just sort of, you have read a book and don't remember that name, what is the most important information for you? And after that it was how to lay out that information very clearly. Um, so this, I loved getting to work with the Nameless. They were also very challenging because their timeline is very mysterious. There is um, just putting in order who knows about them when and where are they, how many nameless eggs are they and where are they, what, how many control rods are there and who has them. These were a technical challenge in a really fun way. Um, they're also just great creatures. They're very frightening. I love them a lot. <laughs> we, so the process for this in terms of doing the work, uh, we write the text initially um, and then we see the layouts afterward always very exciting to see the layouts and then we do the annotations and annotations are also the place where we get to uh, invent a very little bit um <laughs> very cautiously um take a look at say in the case of the nameless what is this part of the creature biologically what's the do um so we got to play around a little bit there which was a lot of fun <laughs> 
So this is an Amy page. Um, I want to shout out to Amy. Um, fun thing about this book is that there are characters who do appear in other eras as well. So obviously you have Dex and Maz here. I also like to tell people who don't know about the High Republic that this book does have Yoda in it. So um, you will see some familiar faces as well. Uh, I actually just want to add that in addition to it helping fanfic writers and <laughs> role-playing game uh, gamers, it's going to be really helpful to High Republic authors. <laughs> because there's 250 people! <laughs> and you know so many of them, and yet you're like, oh god, who is that? <laughs> Alright, we're going we're gonna to shift topics to uh, two debut uh, picture book authors. Uh, who are here today? Uh, that would be Charles Soul and Rosemary Soul. So, for the two of you, how did you approach the younglings in Jedi Brave uh, in every way? Rosemary? Um, okay, well, so I'm, I don't know if people can tell, but I'm a kid, or close to being a kid, and so I'm not. In the grand scheme of things, I'm not very far removed from the ages of these kids. I remember what it was like to be five or six years old and to be afraid of the ocean, to be afraid of bugs. Um, so when writing this book, I really tried to bring my own memories and my own experiences of what that feels like and try to include advice that would actually help a kid from the perspective of an older kid. <laughs> and that's, we have one of those fears uh, here. Talk to us about this one, if you please. Okay, so this is the fear of being alone. Actually, it's not. Or, this is geosis. Uh, oh, sorry. I couldn't see the picture from that far away. <laughs> this, is, this is the fear of bugs. And so when I was, so at my elementary school, the recess yard had a lot of, like, dirt, like, tree and, like, plant patches, I guess, and there were lots of roly-polies and centipedes and everything in there. And a lot of my friends knew that I was afraid of bugs, and so they would pick up a roly-poly and they would like throw it at me or whatever. And, and so I guess the thing that really helped me overcome that fear was realizing that just because I don't know what these things are and they may look a little bit scary, I can learn about what they are. And so I. I learned, like, what is a roly-poly, what is a centipede, and oh, they can't, it's, they don't bite, they're not going to hurt you, they just kind of live in the ground, and they're living their own life, and there really is no need to be afraid of them, so. And what, what are the other two fears uh, in the book for folks? Um, the other two fears are being afraid of the ocean, and then being afraid of, like, being on your own by yourself. And as a first-time author, was it difficult to, to, to jump in and do this? Was it tough to collaborate with someone who's written a lot of, a lot of Star Wars? Jeez. Well, I mean, I am working with my dad. And fathers and daughters are you sometimes. Um, so, and he has written a lot of Star Wars, so sometimes he thinks that his way of doing things is the only way to do things. Um, so, uh, 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 <laughs> so we had a lot of fun working together, but I think definitely I had to fight to get some of my ideas in there and to um, just to make sure that it was a collaboration and he wasn't, you know, 
There's there's a little bit of truth there. You know, I, I, I really thought this was an incredibly special opportunity for me. Um, you know, Rosemary is, is going to go off to college next year, and, and for me to have a chance to, to do this beautiful collaborative thing was really important to me, and um, I don't know, it was, it was so, so special. So whatever little bits of, hey, you know, you know, uh, this isn't appropriate for the High Republic era, or whatever. Crucially <laughs> important details I was trying to convey to her. Um, the, I never lost sight of the idea of this was such an incredibly special, unique opportunity that we were telling a story that was hopefully going to be kind of beautiful and nice and a memory that was going to be wonderful for both of us as we, you know, as she grows up and I continue my life and it was, it was really, really good. So that's what I'm taking away from it more than any <laughs> discussions we might have had, but you know, he's to the room. And look, it's, it's, it's extraordinarily fun, it's a privilege to be able to, to write. Uh, for Star Wars to work in Star Wars. It, it is difficult to do that. It is difficult to sit up on the stage and sit up on stages at celebration. Um, you know, it's difficult for everyone on the stage, but to do it, uh, Rosie, at your age, uh, with such grace and class uh, is really, really impressive. So a round of applause, please. For our now, Charles, you mentioned uh, Mark and Roe before. He shows up in Shadows of Starlight number four. What can we expect in this one? Oh, okay. So, so the Shadows of Starlight is a four-issue series that's designed to fill in the gaps for the missing year after Starlight Beacon falls and is destroyed, and then we pick up at the beginning of Phase 3 uh, with Eye of Darkness and, and the other stories that are coming out. And so the way that I decided to do it was to have each of the four issues tell that year uh, from a different character's perspective. And so the first issue is essentially the Jedi Council and Yoda's perspective. Uh, second issue is Elzar Man and Avar Chris. The third issue is um, Belzadafar and Buryaga and Ember. And then the fourth one is Marky and Roe. And so the first three are all like, you know, Jedi perspective basically. Oh no, we've, we've lost, what are we gonna do? We gotta show the galaxy who the Jedi are, like I was saying before. Um, and then the fourth one is more like, yeah, we won. You lose, and and it's also about Marky and Roe, who is a very complicated character, who is not just like a sort of a you know mustache trolling villain, realizing that he he's won, and you know okay, so I won. I it's hard to nobody could argue that we have you know the Nile have defeated all of their enemies. What do, what do I do next? And looking at it as the launch pad to the horrible things he's going to do in Phase Three was super, super cool. So if you really want a, a real taste of, of the kind of horrible things, and wonderfully horrible things, right? Let's get real, it's the High Republic. Um, are, that are gonna happen in phase three. This is a really, really good place to start. Excellent, this is a, a cover by the great Phil Noto. Yes. That is Logan Greatstorm's lightsaber. Mm -hmm. uh, let's reveal another uh, Phil Noto cover. This is High Republic number three. Things aren't looking too good for Keeve right there. Uh, this is also by the great Phil Noto. Um, I think we should reveal yet another cover. So how about High Republic Adventures number three by the great Harvey Tolabau. Um, zero context around this one, uh, but that is Cantum Psy uh, over there. So uh, speaking of High Republic, 
One of the other titles that we have got coming out this year, uh, next year, is the Lightsaber Collection. This is the almost final cover. This will be all, uh, you know, all of the saber hilts from High Republic. It is all new art of the saber hilts of the characters. Really beautiful book from Inside Editions. For everything in one location, daily news, reviews, interviews, podcasts, video, and social media feeds. Bookmark Fanthatracks.com. For Star Wars News 24-7, 365. What's cooler than a lightsaber book about the High Republic? I don't know. I think it's an actual... Stellan Geo Saber. Huh? Could be yours. This is coming later this year from Shop Disney. Limited to 5,000 only. It will be available globally. Comes in a beautiful wooden box. The, the top part here... Turn this off. Uh, the top part is sold separately, but the little mini cross guard ones will come with it. You're going to find out a lot more about this. There's some cool exclusives to go with this. Um, but we're really, really, we're thrilled with this. Uh, a designer named Jeff Thomas uh, drew these sketches and uh, had said to me at the time, oh, wouldn't it be cool if they made a saber? <laughs> so, you know, really, polite life, everybody. And with that, <laughs> Here we go, ladies and gentlemen, Mark Guggenheim. Come on in, Mark. You can do it. Greg Pop. Ethan Sachs. And Alyssa Wong. Charles Soul, get back up here. Comic-Con, so let's talk about some comics. Yeah. All right? So, we're going to start. This is uh, for, for all of you. These are the comics that are coming out from Marvel in December. Can each of you tell us what's going on in your books at this time? Uh, who wants to start? Greg? Yeah. Uh, which issue number is this? The issue number? Uh, okay, well, this is this looks like the climax of Dark Droids. Yes, I know what this is. Okay, good. Sorry, I'm writing like way ahead. I'm working on like 45 and 46 right now. Um, the uh, so in mind that we're only up to issue three out in Dark Droids. So if that's the ending of Dark Droids, maybe you know, you know. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So uh, some dark stuff happens with droids. What? Uh, well, if you've been reading the books, you know that Vader has had, I mean, the Dark Droid saga has been going on. Vader is a target. Uh, perhaps the greatest target of the, uh, of the Scourge. Um, because uh, Vader is a cyborg. More machine than man, some say. Uh, and uh, if the Scourge is able to tap into uh, droids, uh, the Scourge may be able to tap into cyborgs. And uh, what greater prize than the Dark Lord of the Sith? Um, so those machinations are going to come to a climax at the end of this issue. Uh, if you can see the background of this uh, 
of this, the, uh, uh, of this book that may give you a little hint as to where this plays out. It's a very high stakes place with uh, more droids than any other place in the galaxy. So if Vader falls, everything falls. Um, don't want to miss it. It's going to be awesome. Uh, and uh, as always, the stakes are being raised emotionally for Vader. Uh, he has been suffering uh, from the force wave, which has caused his force powers to go out of control. Um, and uh, as always, power is central to his identity and to his mission uh, as a Sith, right? You know, like Sith are always uh, fighting to uh, be the top. And um, so there's another way in which the droids and the dark droid thing presents not only a challenge but an opportunity. And I'll say no more. sort of summarizing the overall state of the line, uh, including dark droids? I, I wonder if perhaps the engineer of the entire storyline might be able to enlighten us. I, I, I could certainly try. Um, so so what's, what has been really amazing about the Star Wars comic book line since this, this run really started in like 2019-2020 uh, is that it's all kind of one story. There's all you know, bounty hunters, Afra, Vader, the Star Wars line, all the sort of side stories you've been telling from, from Crimson Rain to now Dark Droids, they all build and feed on each other. There's elements of them that are that are used and reused and pop up in different places. So it's really one gigantic mega saga of, you know, 200 issues, like a crazy thing. Which sounds intimidating, but it's not. It's just fun. You'll just have a great time. Um, so where we are now is we have taken a key element from Alyssa's amazing Dr. Afra series. We've taken a key element from, yes, I mean, incredible stuff. We have taken a, uh, a, a pretty big element from the end of the Hidden Empire, Kira story that we were talking about earlier. Uh, we have taken plot threads from Vader, Bounty Hunters, the Star Wars line, and, and started this dark droid story. And so what's happening in it is a, a droid um, essentially wakes up to itself and realizes, wait a minute, I'm not just programming, I am, I am independently thoughtful, I am, I am a being. And they also realize that they're incredibly hungry and they have the ability to put that self that they have awakened to into other droids and they start doing it. And so throughout the galaxy, you start having other droids waking up to themselves, but the thing, the self they're waking up to is this dark version called the Scourge. And so think about any scene in Star Wars. There are always droids in the background, and the droids in the background are doing very important things, much like the way you have a phone in your pocket that is doing important things. And the droids, unbeknownst to the organics around them, are realizing how much maybe they they don't like the people that they're forced to serve and programmed to serve. And so you start having all this mayhem that's kind of bubbling up under the surface. And that is a is like a, a state of play that lets everybody tell really, really interesting stories because every Star Wars character interacts with the droids. Many cool Star Wars characters are droids. And as the Scourge starts possessing more and more and gets, you know, starts building and building and building, becoming more powerful, all of the Star Wars sort of systems start to go out of whack. So that's what's happening in Dark Droids, that's what's happening in, in the Vader stories, that's what's happening in all of our stories right now in, in the books. And it is all designed to be the, like, so far, the big like culmination of everything we've been doing for, I don't know, 15 years? How long have we been telling the story? It's, it feels like a long time, but it's awesome. So that's where things are right now. And it is a horror story. Oh yeah, yes, it is very, it is very creepy. I wish we had some, like, we don't have any, like, droid 
person hybrid slides, do we? No, we don't have Android person hybrid. That's too bad. Because, <laughs> because I got a lightsaber. Does that? that, is, that, is, that is. <laughs> what, so just one of the things the the scourge starts to figure out is like, well, if I can be in droids, why can't I be in people too? And that's it's kind of its ultimate end goal. Um, it wants to be in everything, and it it looks around and sees well. There are there are like cyborgs things like Vader's a great example, but there are other ones. Lobot, you know, Valance, uh, there's Magnetolvin, There's plenty, and so it's like well, if if that kind of works, maybe I can figure out how to get into into cyborgs. And so it um, it starts trying to make its own cyborgs. So you get things like like R two D 2s with like like human arms stuck on them, um, and like C-3PO's with like naked human legs like kind of stumbling around, and um, it's not very good at it, it's, that is part of why it's super creepy, but it's so like, I don't, I have not seen a Star Wars story that does these things, and that's part of why it's so cool, it feels fresh, but also very much part of the galaxy we all know and love. I love this. I love dark droids. It's my favorite. I mean, it's so it's so eerie, and yet the scourge is a person. You know, it's not like we have. You know, I'm sorry. I'm just so excited about dark droids. Um, every single time Charles talks about dark droids, I'm like, how did you get away with that? You know, you have you have organic parts like stapled to mechanical parts and. I mean, I think the Scourge is actually a very compelling, very sympathetic character, which is a wild thing to say about someone who's slowly eating its way through the galaxy. Um, but I think that that, for me, is the charm of Dark Droids, is that it is about somebody who's really hungry and just wants everything. And I mean, who can't, who can't identify with that? I am so, so hungry. <laughs> Alyssa, while, while we've got you, tell us a little bit about what's going on in Dr. Afra, if you would. Speaking of speaking hungry, or rather thirsty, uh, Dr. Afra is going through a rough time. Um, we've been building this like slow burn romance um, with Afra and Sada Staros, her like college ex, uh, and I think first true love. Um, and we've sort of like come to a point where uh, Afra and Sada have confessed their feelings for each other, and they are not together. It has gone terribly wrong, and Afra is, like, dark night of the soul. Um, and she has to deal with all of these droids that are being taken over. Um, she's found herself involved with a dominant tag of the Tag Corporation, um, which, you know, they, they uh, supply ships and weapons and droids to the Empire everywhere. Um, so now uh, the Tag Corporation is dealing with that, and Afra is dealing with that, and we have battle droids. And oh, by the way, uh, you mentioned Magna Tolvin. Mm -hmm. well, that's her. I would say, and she is also Afra's other true love. I'd say things are going great based on that cover. <laughs> so yeah, again, we talk about very human stories and um, the intersections of technology and. You know, you have a lot of people who really want something. Afra really wants something. But the Scourge wants something maybe a little bit more, so we're going to get really weird and really ugly, and it's going to be great. <laughs> awesome. Ethan, what's going on with Bounty Hunters? What can I, what can I say about Bounty Hunters? Uh, really, what, what can I say? <laughs> <laughs> How about we come back to Bounty Hunters? Okay. We'll come back to Bounty Hunters. Um, 
Mark, do you want to talk to us a little about Revelations? So um, this year we are returning to the whole Revelations concept that we did last year, which was show you some very far-reaching and very far in advance uh, looks at what's going to be happening throughout the Marvel Star Wars line uh, in 2024. And if you actually go back to last year's um, Revelations issue, we were teasing stuff back then, last November, November, December, that you're just starting to see now in in you know October of 2023. So this Revelations uh, is going to be very similar, but we're taking a different approach. Instead of it being one single story, um, it's going to be several uh, really really cool short stories by like all of us and a bunch of other incredibly talented writers and incredibly talented artists, and it's a really beautiful, wonderful package. Um, and I'm going to be doing uh, a story that, that hopefully sets up my, my sort of next, you know, Star Wars thing. Uh, it's going to reintroduce Rick Duell from the Legends uh, original Marvel series that Joe Duffy and Kerry Gamble created. Um, Rick is just a lovable loser, um, and he's a blast to write. He looks like Han Solo, uh, but he is no Han Solo. Uh, is, is all I can all I can say. Um, and uh, it's it's a blast. It's actually uh, being drawn by Salva Espin, uh, who I've been doing D Squad Dark Droids D Squad with, uh, and he's just brought all the heart and humor that uh, I love uh, from his art. And uh, can't wait for you to see it. And that's a perfect segue. Tell us a little bit about what's going on in D Squad. Aha! So D Squad is so if um, you know if Dark Droids is a, a horror movie, D Squad is the action comedy tie-in. Um, basically, it's you know as, as we saw you know slight spoiler alert um, for the end of uh, Dark Droids number two, but as we saw C three PO has been scorched and. Um, he, you know, basically reacted by kind of shoving R2-D2 out an airlock, which, you know, not cool. So R2 is basically assembling what I call the Droid Avengers to uh, get together and uh, help fight back this, you know, scourge that is uh, infecting, you know, the droids and the cyborgs and the hydroids uh, throughout the galaxy. And it's basically it's the one-stop shop for all of your favorite droids. Um, we've, you know, we've seen you know, Chopper, we've seen, you know, Triple uh, Zero in BT-1, and uh, if you're a fan of QTKT from uh, from uh, Clone Wars, you're not going to want to miss uh, Issue 3. Uh, it, it will prove to you that droids can, in fact, fall in love. Um, and, you know, sort of to, to Charles's point about how this is all one huge mega saga, um, this is a, you know, a self-contained, just fun romp of a story, but it also ties in directly with the events of Star Wars number 38 with Lando and Lobot, and it also ties in directly with the end of Dark Droids 4, which I won't spoil here, obviously. Um, but it's a blast. Again, Salva Espin doing incredible artwork, um, and if you like droids, I, I am going to beg you uh, to pick up the book. I, I, you will not be disappointed. Thank you, Mark. I want to take a step back um, because, Greg, when you were talking about Vader before, I don't think you mentioned what the where it was headed. Yes. So uh, I have two words for you: um, Schism Imperial. Uh, there's uh, big stuff percolating. You're going to see it seeded throughout uh, the next few issues, and we're, we're coming up to a huge storyline uh, uh, and a giant showdown. Um, uh, with uh, 
I, it's interesting because, you know, like, with all of these Star Wars books, we are playing with different genres, and it's been a huge amount of fun. We've got horror, we've got, we've got the action comedy component to horror, we've got romance. Um, there's also political intrigue, and there's that kind of bureaucratic intrigue, which I think we fell in love with with Andor. And uh, we're, we're, I, I, we're getting a little close to something like that, the Schism Imperial. And if you have some uh, favorite Imperial officers who may have uh, multiple uh, motivations or, uh, or, or other perhaps members of the Imperial Court, folks like that, um, you can find a little something out about that. And, uh, and of course, Vader's going to be in the thick of it. Excellent. So keep your ears open. Thank you, Greg. Thank you. Um, Ethan, I, I really do want you to talk about... Uh, oh, sorry, I forgot we had dark droids. We're, gonna, we're a little short on time. We think we covered droids. We did. I, I didn't, the thing I didn't get to talk about was what's happening which will take me two seconds. Two seconds. Go, Charles, go! So, uh, do any of you remember the Lando miniseries I wrote in 2015? Okay. Great stuff. That's where we found out that Lobot sacrificed his, his mind almost to, to make sure that Lando could keep going. Uh, what is happening in the Star Wars line right now is the Times of Dark Droids is a you sequel can, to that. Can, take a breath. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> is a sequel to that. Uh, where Lando has decided that this is his moment to, to really try to cure Lobot and try to bring Lobot back to himself. And it is, it is happening in the thick of the Dark Droids event, so it's very difficult for him to do that. That's what that is. I love it. Uh, I also will say that I've been asked at least two times to, to write a Star Wars legal drama. Uh, and because I used to be in a, I, I guess I still am an attorney, you never enough aren't. Um, and so that, that is what directly follows up the, the Lando simple story, is I'm finally writing the Star Wars legal drama that, as I said, at least two people have asked me to do. Quality um, All right, Ethan. We do have to talk about Bounty Hunters. Yes, we do. So, I have some good news and bad news. Um, Bounty Hunters is coming to an end with issue 42. Uh, it's time, and in this day and age, to get to write 42 issues of a series, uh, especially one where I just love the characters so much, uh, has been an honor. And I, I asked for three things for Marvel for this moment uh, to just send it out with a bang. Number one, I asked for a large, so the, this latest arc ends with 41, and 42 is this just huge, bombastic adventure, um, so much that I needed two artists, uh, the great Jethro Morales, and I'm pleased to announce that my brother from another mother, Paolo Villanelli, is returning. Uh, no way, no way, you said we were done. <laughs> But um, no, we're we're sending. We've managed to keep balance alive this long, so uh, hopefully he'll make it through this last adventure. But it's going to be fun. It ties up a lot of stories that we've been telling since early 2020, and I cannot wait to share it with you. It is my favorite issue I think that I've ever written, and uh, it's going to be amazing. Uh, but I also I just wait. Oh, oh. I was just going to say. Um, if we could give Ethan and Paolo, if he ever comes back, a round of applause, because this is a very, really big Thank you. I did have one last thing that I asked Marvel, one last demand. Um, might, it be, might it be a new project? My next project. 
And if I can't forget what you just heard, okay. So yes, Luke Ross is the artist. It's going to be amazing. It's very much a sort of little bit of mystery, a lot of Western, uh, a lot of a lot of intrigue. It's going to be it's going to be fun, and I can't wait to see it. Uh, the, awesome. There will be a preview uh, in Revelations uh, with Will Flynn on that artist. Excellent. Pretty cool. Uh, we are uh, we're getting close to, to time, so we're going to go through a couple other projects that are that are coming soon. Uh, unfortunately, Jody Hauser couldn't be here today. She was supposed to be here today to uh, announce this little project. Hi, New York Comic Con. I'm really bummed I couldn't be there this year, but I hope everyone is, is as excited about Thrawn alliances as I am. Thrawn has been a favorite of mine since I found Heir to the Empire in the mall bookstore as a kid. I love that there was more Star Wars and that it was books, so do I. Yeah. And that it had one of the most fascinating villains I have ever seen. Writing another Thrawn comic, this time with Mr. Timothy Zahn himself is an absolute dream come true, and I feel like I should add a joke here about it being artistically done. I hope you'll all check out Thrawn Alliances number one when it hits comic shops next year. Thank you, Jody. So earlier we, we spoke about uh, uh, next year being the anniversary of The Phantom Menace, um, so we thought it might be fun if uh, Mark Bernardin came on to write the amazing movie series. For the 25th as well. Speaking of anniversaries, this year is the 40th anniversary of Return of the Jedi. Um, and as the year was going on, we kept talking about how much just you know, everyone loved the film. And our friends over at Inside Edition said, well, we want to do a Return of the Jedi visual archive that is a celebration of the film and a little bit of a making of and, you know, uh, we'll have inserts and, and perfect for uh, really fans of, of all ages. And so the great Kelly Knox and Clayton Sandell and S.T. Bendy and the folks from Inside Editions all came on board to, uh, to create this. This will be out in March of next year. Uh, this, is, this is a really fun one. Speaking of fun ones, uh, this next one... Uh, by the great Kelly Knox. So this, the, the Kelly is incredible. Uh, this one goes out to uh, special thanks to Dan Brooks uh, from the Lucasfilm side because he was the one many, many years ago who said, you have to get Kelly to do a dad jokes book. And it, it was taking the publishers a little while, but we got it. This is coming from Chronicle next year. Um, here's what you can expect from this book. Did you know that Han Solo doesn't believe in Santa? He's a rebel without a clause. <laughs> Princess Leia thought she saw her brother, but it was just a Luke alike. Hello, <laughs> Kelly. This is, this is perfect for I am your father's day. Uh, come on. Hey, did, did everybody see the lightsaber? Uh, <laughs> Sorry. Um, 
some more very big news uh, coming from, from our side. Something that we've been looking to do for quite some time. I am thrilled to say that the folks from, uh, from Dark Horse it will be going forward with original, all ages, uh, OGNs. We are starting with Qui-Gon next year. Written by uh, George Mann. Um, these are standalone, iconic stories about these characters. This is why these characters are cool, why they're fun. It's just the type of thing that you could really give to a, a, you know, a nine-year-old, a 19-year-old, a 79-year-old, and say, well, you know, read this. You're gonna dig it. This is this is a fun uh, uh, Qui-Gon story. So we're kicking off with uh, with Qui-Gon for the 25th of Phantom Menace next year. Uh, we will be following Qui-Gon with Obi-Wan. Um, the covers are by the brilliant Michael Cho. Um, you're going to hear uh, more about these books uh, coming up pretty soon. Uh, we are doing a line of them. I'm, I'm only able to reveal the first two today, but there will be a lot more coming. Um, and we're, we're really excited about this. We feel like this is going to be the, the perfect thing for, for kids and, and, and fans of, uh, of all ages. Um, next up, huh. oh, I don't know how that got in there. <laughs> that's weird. Thank <clears throat> God that. Uh, but that's, that's uh, everything that we've got coming up. This is just a, a slice. What you see here is a slice of what we have coming up, right? We have the first visual dictionary. Um, visual guide that we, we've, uh, excuse me, that we've had in years with Dawn of Rebellion. We have a cookbook that is out uh, this week, uh, the ultimate cookbook. Um, you know, the author might be in attendance. Jen, are you here? Congratulations, Jen, on the cookbook that was out this week. Um, and like I said, this this is a snapshot of of, uh, of what's coming up, uh, what all of these people, what the folks that were on the stage beforehand have uh, worked so hard on. Um, and this is the part where, where we say thank you to all of you, because it really does mean the world to us that you read this, that you support this, that you come out on a Sunday uh, to, to hear us battle on, to hear me battle on. Um, we don't take this lightly. And we appreciate everything that you guys do. We hear everything, we see everything, we appreciate it. Um, thank you for reading. Thank you for supporting. Be vocal with your with your local comic shops. If you if you you know something that you see, tell them you're digging it. Tell them you want you know. Tell them to reserve a copy. Um, and be vocal to us too. We're we're always listening. And uh, to everyone on the stage and everyone over there, thank you. Oh, John, quick, get the poster. Yes. <laughs> There's one for everybody in this room at the signing that we're doing where? Uh, signings in the autograph area, which is just to the left when you come out of here. And Greg had one more thing as well. Yeah, just a small public service announcement. This seemed like the very best place to say this. Uh, someone left some very nice Star Wars books on my table in Artist Alley. So if that was you, come by and uh, tell me what they are and I'll give them back to you. I would love to put them in the right person's hands. Uh, K29, or Sally, thanks. Alyssa wanted me to mention Escape from Valo. Oh. Which is a return to the High Republic. So before we go, can you give three words to describe Escape from Valo? Escape from Valo, or middle grade? Uh, chaos. Uh, chaos, heartbreak, and hope. 
With that, thank you all. It is greatly appreciated. I hope you enjoy the rest of the show. We look forward to you with you. Thank you for joining us for this special edition of Cannon Fodder. For more Star Wars podcast content, be sure to subscribe to Fantatach Radio on your podcatcher of choice. Subscribe to all our social media at links.fantatax.com. Be sure to be checking out fantatax.com daily for all your latest Star Wars news. And you can also join us live on YouTube for Good Morning Tatooine every Sunday evening at youtube.com forward slash TV. Coming up next on Fantatrax Radio, it's Making Tracks.